Hey, it's Coach O, Coach Ed Ogeron, the Mellis and Utahs. I'm your head coach with the most. I'll be on that anchor, that uh, Sports Antelope Remix Reloaded. And, uh, you know, Belt's going to be on there talking about all kinds of stuff. And uh, we're going to have a good football season this year. And uh, you're gonna be, the boy's going to be talking about supply and demand. Well, you know, there's going to be demand for ass whipping. And Coach O and his LSU Tigers are going to be supplying some ass whipping. And we're going to have a bigger SEC to do it in because we are the LSU Tigers. You know, there's lots of stuff going on right now. I want y'all to all get vaccinated. Be careful, you know. That, uh, that new coronavirus ain't no joke, you know. I mean, you got to be careful out there. You got to be ready to watch my Tigers whip some ass. And there's going to be all kinds of guests. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. One of these days, Coach O going to be coming on that antelope. Going to be like interview. Wait on them to get them uh, antelope studios uh, renovated. They're going to have a break room. they got a bunch of energy drinks. Go Tigers. Warm it all up. Everything you've got. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Sports Antelope, episode number 59, Supply, I Demand, and I'm your host, Danny Belts. A lot to talk about today. Vax Sanity. Uh, Yes, and I have a suggestion for a lot of people talking about that. Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC. We're going to tie that into Supply and Demand 101, a crazy story to support the title, Supply, I Demand. Uh, Golf names in the PGA are absurd. I'm going to have a cute little skit for you with that. I have an announcement that one day a sports a sportscaster is going to make, you heard it here first, Aaron Rodgers, Cobb, Green Bay, we're masking up again, Bro Exotic comes on to talk about the Indians, he wants, he wants them to go back to the Indians name, what? And Tommy Bench comes on to talk about Biles, the January 6th commission, and a recent pedophile that was busted at the boarding school that we went to. At 70 years old, we kind of knew this dude was screwy. No one could really never saw anything. He just kind of heard rumors. I actually was in the same dorm as this dude. He was the he was the overlord of the dorm, whatever you want to overlord. <laughs> the dorm house parent, they called it. He oversaw the dorm. But uh, that ass is going to jail forever. I'll let him get into that. But it's more importantly, it's the language that people use to describe certain things. And we're getting so absurd with the language. I'll let Tommy Bench <clears throat> get into that. So... As we begin to get crazy with vaccinity, I just want everyone to know there is something out there that happens every single day. No one cares, and I don't see anyone asking if anyone is getting vaccinated for this. Is it contagious? It's wildly contagious. And can you imagine like walking up to a woman and saying just in like a public area, hey, have you been vaccinated for HPV? <laughs> but yeah, people are so cavalier to ask, you know, have you been vaccinated? It's like this, you know, badge of honor. HPV is pretty serious, and much like the coronavirus, it's a you know a virus that mutates. There's about a thousand strains of it. Uh, three are pretty bad, from what I've read. Uh, but HPV, you know, guys pass to girls. Sometimes guys don't even know they have it, and vice versa. They, it passes around to each other. But it's more prevalent in women, just because not more prevalent, it's more dangerous in women because it could lead to cervical cancer. Uh, a lot of cases of cervical cancer which is a very bad cancer, come from HPV. And yet I just find there's, a, there's so many other types of vaccinations I could talk about that have a way more lethal, way more lethal ending. 
then, then this virus, regardless if it's the Gamma Omega or the Southwest or the Jet Blue virus, I don't know. But I just found it funny. Someone asked me recently if, uh, if I was vaccinated, and, and I asked her that question. And it was a perfect stranger. She didn't like she didn't like that. But then again, I didn't like being asked that. So I don't know, to each his own. So yeah, let's just start walking around and asking really, really HIPAA breaking, you know, really personal questions. And while we at it, just show me your medical records too. What's this? Oh, you got nut cancer? Oh, great. It's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. So the vaccinity stuff is only going to divide this country even further. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Uh, soon you're going to see this announcement in a football game. You're going to hear something like this. And in comes sophomore Mike Bradley at cornerback, his first minutes of the year here in week one. The 210-pound, six-foot, unvaccinated transfer from Arkansas Piney Bluff. You're going to hear, I guarantee you, an announcer is going to throw in the unvaccinated sophomore. <laughs> you know it's going to happen. I hope it does. That would be so funny. Oh, man. The Rodgers Cobb Green Bay story. This is just getting amazing. So Rodgers, who really won here? I mean, it's on every station. If it's not talking about Biles, we're talking about Rodgers and all the sound bites, his interviews he just did over at Lambeau Field and all this. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, I understand it's a big story, but you are beating a dead dog with like a cane and now a hatchet and then a machete and now a chainsaw. Like, we get it. Randall Cobb, he's the real winner here. Everyone keeps talking about who won. Randall Cobb won. He's in his 30s. He had more injuries. He's a walking injury. And he gets to come back with this nasty contract. He gets to come back and hang out with, with Aaron Rodgers. I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers was like, look, man, he's the only one that knows how to play spades in this entire city. So just uh, bring him back because that's what they used to do. Apparently, they played spades all the time. Maybe no one else knows how to do that in Green Bay. Rodgers certainly does. Cobb will come back and they'll team up. He'll get hurt in week four and just collect a check. But make no mistake, Cobb is the big winner here. Uh, period. And as we get into masking up again, they're already talking about this is going to be the big one. If you're still vaccinated in a sporting event in certain areas and you prove vaccination, you will still have to wear a mask at the sporting event. You have got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, look, th this has to stop at some point. Soon you'll have to get vaccinated for the it, it, when does it, it doesn't stop. But it needs to stop soon because people are getting a little fed up with this. And even people in the middle and middle left that can see like, nah, this is not about this is this is. Yes, I understand the vaccination is effective. It is. You can't argue with that. It is kind of weird that people are still contracting this virus after getting vaccinated and even super superhuman athletes like Lamar Jackson. That discourages me from getting the vaccine because why? I've already had COVID. I get the vaccine. I could still pass it and still get it even post vaccination doesn't make sense to me. And it can knock me on my ass for three days. It killed my wife's primary physician. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. She died two days later of a blood clot in her lung. Fact. She had to find a new doctor. And there was a very prevalent doctor up here too. Very sought after doctor. Very sad moment. So don't, don't keep that bullshit on your plate. Belts, you going to do any sports? Of course. Let's get into these golf names before I get into the... the Big monologue of the supply, I demand, and some crazy stories in comparison to what we're looking at coming up in the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma. These golf names are hilarious. So you all may remember uh, the Keen Peel skit where they were introducing themselves with these very cultural names, we'll say, like uh, Desquarius Green Jr., 
and Tyrell, Smoochie Wallace, among like 50 other ones. And then the white guy at the end comes on. He's like, Joe Smith, BYU. Pretty hilarious and genius, by the way. So we're going to take it on a different angle here because I find that golf names are so outrageously white collar and over the top. It's almost like the dad and the mom knew we need to give this guy a just ridiculous name uh, just because he needs to fit in. I mean, he can't. His name can't be Chuck Smith. No, it has to be Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, yeah. We'll get to Bryson in a second. How about Maverick McNeely? Oh, we'll get to Ma- – what are these guys thinking? Like the double consonant? This is great. But there's a couple in here that I just can't get away from. And, and there's a true story behind these guys that I feel like most people don't know. You know, it says they're from certain cities, but I did some research here, and they're not. Uh-uh. Everyone's lying. These kids are not what you think. They're not privileged. They might be white, but they are not from these great areas in which they're advertised. They came up school the hard knocks, bro. I mean, take it, take it for the example here. Harris English. Harris. Harris English. This dude says he's from Valdesta, Georgia. Dude, I did some research. He's from South Atlanta. He was in the Carver Homes Project, son. This dude was so broke coming up, he had to get a stick from a tree and attach a rock to it to putt-putt around in the back in the gravel. This dude made his way up with no parents. No parents. Came through the... Public school system, got into community college, came up bussing tables at a Chili's, and then busted his way through the door to get into the PGA Tour. And good for him, Harris English. You think he's soft? He's not. And then his buddy, Charles Howell III, Charles Howell III, who is also from Georgia, it says he's from Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> Charles Howell III is from Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> you just can't make this up. I really is an incredible story. Those two young men, uh, one from the inner cities of Georgia uh, and the other from Augusta. I don't know how that's possible. There's, uh, you know, if you heard about the California foursome, actually, uh, I kind of have a really had to dig deep where these dudes came from. I mean, you think just because of their names that, you know, they had it all. You think daddy was giving them drivers when they were you know, two years old and stuff like that. Hell no, it was not like that. Like, I had to dig deep for this. So I hope you take notes on this stuff and you have a lot more respect for these PGA players and their names. Let's start off with my man, Cameron Triangle. Can you remember that? Cameron Triangle. It says he's from Mission Vejo, California. Well, that might be true, but I don't think it is because I know he ended up in an orphanage in LA when he was four years old. And then he met up there with my man, Bryson DeChambeau, who says he's from Modesta, California. That's a lie. They went to the same orphanage with no parents. And then they got sent up to another orphanage because they kept acting up. This orphanage was right outside of Sacramento where my man Cameron Champ, Cameron Champ was. So they got together and started this like California thing, really kept that going. And then that's when they met up with Maverick McNeely, who's supposed to be from some valley out there in California, Porte, I don't know what he's from, but I know one thing, they joined that orphanage in Sacramento. And before they were 11, they all have no parents, by the way, no parents, no schooling, no nothing. And then the California foursome, Cameron Triangle, Maverick McNeely, Cameron Champ, and Bryson DeChambeau, Start a small business on the beach at 12 years old. Uh, they get those those metal detectors. They're all going up and down looking for change. And they would just like sleep on the beach, pool resources. And finally, they got enough money 
to all try to get into the U.S. Open. It was pretty much the same thing that happened in 10 Cup. And they all got recognized. And through the crazy odds of being fatherless, parentless, and orphans, Cameron Triangle, Mavic McNeely, Cameron Champ, and Bryson DeChambeau find their way into the PGA Tour now, making millions. Started from the bottom, now they're queer. I mean, here. That's a very amazing story about the California foursome. Hope you guys uh, take that seriously because this is a lot of research here. This is a big one here. Now, I might be mispronouncing this guy's name. I don't know if it's Shez or Shay. Let's call it Shay. S-H-E-Z, Shay Revy. Shay Revy. Oh, it says he's from Wichita, Kansas. That is a lie. That is a lie. This dude, no one even knows where he's from. But he did go to, he was at University of Kansas, gangbanging with Aqib Tlaib. He didn't even go to college. He had, to, he had his roommate with Aqib Tlaib, the dominant quarterback from Kansas, who was basically robbing dudes at frat parties. And Shez Revy learned to be a hard dude early hanging out with the likes of him. Again, he did have a mom and dad, but they lived in a trailer park. It was kind of like Marshall Mathers a little bit, except there was a father figure there, but not that guy that would float in and out, depending on her to win the lottery. Either way, Shez Revy grew up gangbanging in Kansas with one of the baddest dudes to ever come out of that school, Aqib Tlaib. And because he was able to save all that gangbanging money, he was able to buy a nice outfit, had a good showing at a preliminary game, moved his way up, and found his way against all eyes, Shez Revy from Wichita, Kansas, with the help of Aqib Tlaib to make it to the PGA. Incredible. You may think this to be entertaining. It's more educational just to know just because a guy has a, you know, a guy has a name like Harris English. doesn't mean that he you know, came into this white-collar family. We only have two of these stories left, but uh, stick around because this one's actually very interesting. Um, we've been talking about more people in you know, the America here in the States. Let's... Um, Let's get outside and let's go international for a couple of these names. Again, it might be mistaken for the silver spoon when it most certainly is not. Let's go to Africa. Let's go down to South Africa. And let's talk about my main man, Charles Schwarzer. <laughs> not Charles. Charles. C-H-A-R-L. Schwarzer from South Africa. However, he was adopted by a couple African-Americans years and years ago. And so his parents grew up on the streets. They had to deal with apartheid just as everyone else did. This is not a white-collar, silver-spoon white boy. This dude came up like the rest of them, all right? Came up in the struggle. Came up protesting. Barely got out of high school. Didn't even go to college, all right? This dude somehow made his way from South Africa, somehow teamed up with a couple other people in South Africa who don't have names quite cool as him, and with their struggles, were able to parlay living in apartheid, living in those situations years ago, having that still generational racism. Uh, and this white dude was able to break away from that. I think he identified as an African-American. I'm not sure. But all I know is that Charles was able to break away. And guess what? Speaking of breaking away, how about my man, Jonathan Vegas? Not Jonathan. Jonathan. J-O-N-A-T-T-A-N Vegas. Now, where is this cat from? Oh, wait. He's from Venezuela. Uh, yeah, he probably had it tough. And lastly, this dude's probably the scariest of all. I've never heard of him, but with a name like this, I guarantee you a lot of other people on the streets have heard about this dude. Now, it says he's from Pelkin, Illinois. You know, that's ridiculous. He's from the south side of Chicago. That was easy for me to figure this out. This dude is no joke. I don't know how the PGA... Do they do background checks? D.A. Points. 
Let me repeat that. DA points. It stands for Death Anonymously Points. This, that's not even his real last name. This dude would rack up so many points. Running in the south side of Chicago, points me in bodies. He racked up so much, they were like, dude, you're going to break the record for all-time murders. If you stay here, you got to get out. So he decided to take up golf, of all things. This dude used to hoop in the streets. He had a real name for himself. I don't know. But Deadly Anonymous Points is now running around in the PGA with more bodies on him than Whitey Bulger. So I don't know what's going on with the PGA. Their background checks have a lot to be desired, but these dudes I just named, uh-uh. Don't sleep on them, man. Whether it's Harris English, <laughs> Cameron Champ, DA Points. Oh, I forgot about Brooks Kepka. Maybe I'll just send DA Points down there to take care of his ass, too. I thought that skit was pretty funny. Uh, but it's not a skit. This is a real deal. Those dudes are from the streets. So let's get into a real quick college football update, just so we all know. We will be getting cracking the eggs uh, next week as we get into August. As soon as the college futures officially go up from everybody, we can really get into it. Week one, uh, notice that Texas San Antonio has moved from seven and a half to six and a half while they go to Illinois. We'd like them to win that game outright. We'll be talking about Texas San Antonio in the futures. Notice the Charlotte line has gone back to seven, plus seven versus Duke in Charlotte. Uh, juice minus 125 on Charlotte, which is really bizarre to see a heavy juice on a moved up dog half point. Rarely see that big red flag if you're a Duke guy there. Uh, and lastly, the Tennessee line continues to creep with Bowling Green. We got it at 27 and a half weeks ago. It's going to be 35 before you know it. Get it under five touchdowns, play it safe. I still think Tennessee beats the brakes off these guys by eight to maybe even nine touchdowns. I'm serious. And I hate, hate to say that in the beginning of the year. It seems all chalky, but I think this is a reality. And we'll get into the futures as soon as we can all get on them. Then we'll be doing that. Uh, before we begin to, I'm also very disturbed about the Saints right now. Uh, in the last two weeks, we found out a lot. Sean Payton, really angry on a press conference yesterday. He rarely calls out players. He calls out Michael Thomas directly. Michael Thomas still has his VJJ hurt from when CeeDee Deuce beat him up in the locker room. He's been battling injuries now for almost a year. What once was uh, looked to be one of the best receivers of all times. We don't even know if this dude's... I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen with this guy now. His attitude sucks. And he just reports he's injured a week ago, so now he won't play into the season. He's still getting paid. That's a fireable offense. And you can't trade his ass because now he has no value now. They should have traded his ass during the regular season last year. Most of us agreed. If you don't want to be here, get out. And I just think it's ridiculous that he's doing this. And now the Saints, now we have some stuff to talk about uh, when it comes to their over-under at 9. And now it's at 9 even. Very interesting. It used to be minus 120. It's crept all the way down to 9. Well, I get it at 8.5. Usually they don't move futures. They usually don't. They move Georgia Tech, then they moved it back. We'll be talking about the Yellow Jackets, too. When the time comes, I think everyone knows who my futures are. But we need to keep it to when you can actually play it. Otherwise, I'm just blowing smoke, going, oh, I got the better line. <laughs> but with the week one plays, I've been talking about those for three weeks. So you should have gotten on those if you were going to play my plays early in week one. All right. So supply, I demand. So we all need stuff right now, right? There's a, there's a supply shortage. It, but is there? So there's a supply shortage for you and me, me and you, your mother and your cousin too, but not for the people supplying it to us, and certainly not for the people supplying it to our suppliers, particularly anyone that's in manufacturing. We'll get to that. So I recently caught up with a friend of mine, haven't spoke to him in a long time, previous customer, and he works for a large distribution company that they do a lot of business all over the place, but primarily with grocery stores. 
So I was able to get in with him a long time ago, and then we could segue into a direct invite or a warm intro to his customers, rather than me just knock on the door cold call. And of course, we gave him a little, little something on the side, give the company a little money for their troubles, nothing wrong or illegal with that. It's just a little kickback, and everybody does it. It's in the agreement. Everybody knows it's happening. But anyway, so I... Uh, I'm talking to him, and I'm like, hey, man, are these shortages affecting you guys, or what's going on? And he kind of laughs. He goes, not me. And I'm like, hmm, do tell. He goes, well, we're building a couple new warehouses right now. And I'm like, you're building right now with the cost of everything. You're building. He goes, yeah, it's worth it. I'm like, oh, this ought to be interesting. Can I ask why? I'm like, sure. We're going to stack it to the top with uh, non-perishables. I'm like, okay, interesting. So this company will distribute produce, um, some things they do, some things they don't. Uh, the more you buy, the better the rebate, the better the tier, uh, the better the pricing. They really incentivize you just to buy everything from them, and that's a smart move. Obviously, from a distribution standpoint, <laughs> that's the best way to go. And from a buying standpoint, to go through them as a purchasing organization to use their buying power seems to be relatively smart as well. Most people took them up on that offer, and it's a pretty good company. What they're doing is, though, is that now, like other companies, as we'll get into, they are creating a false demand. There is not a shortage of stuff. That is a farce. I know this for a fact. Not just because of this, but I'll tell you something else in a minute. So what they're doing is they're going to take, I don't know, $5 million of non-perishables and stack it to the brim in their warehouse, one of the two that they're building. And what that does is, is it's not hoarding to cut demand or supply, excuse me. It's hoarding to jack the price. This is the scary part. They know that the prices are not gonna continue to stop going up. They know this. Now, in any other economic temperature, you'd be big risk to go out and buy a bunch of one certain commodity. Let's just say, let's make it simple, beans. If indeed you knew that, well, in one year, or six months, beans are gonna come back down and we just wasted a bunch of money, not counting on the, on the new construction, just wasted a ton of money on dead inventory because now we can sell it, but we could have done a lot more with that money. We had cash in the books and we just basically puked on it to break even. Not a good, not a good sound business decision at all. However, if you know these commodities are going to continue to go up, you should buy the holy F out of everything you can because what's going to happen now is the supply won't be affected but the price will. There's your shortage. There is no lumber shortage. That is a farce as well. Lumber, the people that have the lumber just are jacking up that price. People are less willing to buy it, but they will buy it anyway. And they know that it's continue to go up till they continue to hold it. And this is not illegal. There's no law saying you can't buy as much product as a distributor to pass that out as you want. And the price, it's not necessarily gouging. Well, in other words, you think that this distribution company is going to give the grocery store the same discount they had from the future buy? No, they're going to charge them market price, which is exactly what I would do. I would charge them market price, and that market price is going to be a lot more profitable than what they bought it for currently. You don't have to be Alan Greenspan or Ben Bernanke to understand this is going all the way around. If I own a snowball stand, all right, what are my expenses? Shaved ice, styrofoam cups. Straws, plastic spoon, napkins, syrup. I'm running out of stuff. Maintenance on my machine, maybe. But if, 
if the guy that I'm buying, if the if the supplier of the syrup, okay, that's giving it to me, if he knows that the price of, that that the price is going to keep going up on that too, he'll buy ten thousand pallets of spearmint, and then when I ask, you know, when I ask for a a case of spearmint instead of it being ah, fifty bucks, it's seventy bucks. And what am I going to do about it? Because everyone else is charging the same thing, and now that this dude has a warehouse full of spearmint syrup. And he knows it's going to continue to go up. He'll continue to hoard. Prices will continue to spike until it won't just be inflation. It's going to be worse than that. People like to say hyperinflation. When there's a lot of dollars out there and there's nothing that's moving, this is a bad thing. There's a lot of people that have money looking to buy a car. There's no cars in the car lot. Want to know why? What, you think GM's not making fucking cars right now? Snap out of it, pal. I have a customer of mine that makes these rubber circular things. They're circles, and, and they're rubber. And uh, yeah, you may have one on your car. Well, you may have four of them, excuse me. Rubber, they're a circle. <laughs> and they may or may not deal in this industry. I'm not going to say no names. I'm not going to say the name of the company. You can kind of figure out what they do. What do you think they're doing? Do you think they're not stockpiling these circular rubber things? Of course they are. They have the cash, and they know in six months from now, it's going to be a lot more than what it is now. Hell, they should, buy him into the, they should buy him into the rapture. They should forecast the rapture and buy him into 2056 because there is absolutely zero economic, any analysis would say, any information to support the fact that the cost of goods across the board will not be going up exponentially, not just quarterly or monthly, weekly, but daily. You can look at this in anything you want to buy. Chips, soda, beer, it's all gone up. And there is no shortage. There's just a shortage to us, not from the distributor, especially not the manufacturer. Let's talk about real quick, the soybean. Bells, can we talk about sports? Just hold on. I used to work for a company where the soybean was a thing we had to check every day. It is a very, very massive commodity. Why? Because the soybean turns into soy oil. Soy oil, the most pro- uh, prominent, popular cooking oil in the world, period, full stop. No, it's not, it's vegetable, no, it's not. It's canola, no, it's not, it's soy. The soy commodity is through the roof. You wanna know why? The manufacturers, AKA the soy farmers, know that this also is something, now they got the real deal, they got the real chokehold, they're the manufacturer, they're the producer. So they can look at the distributor and say, get on your knees and tell me how much you love me. And then we might break you off with some of this. So they're making a ton from the people distributing. And what do you think they're doing it to the restaurants? Oh, yes. Food Buy, we talked about it, is the biggest GPO on the planet, and they're struggling. Not even they can succumb or get past the holding of this product from the distributor, excuse me, from the manufacturer of the actual soybean or the grower, same thing. Very scary. You talked about this three weeks ago. Not nearly as in-depth as we have now. This is actually what is happening right now. I can say it. I'm so confident in this. I do the same thing. Is it unethical? No. It's savvy business. Chance for these guys to make some money, and we're still going to buy, but the question is, when do we not? When does that snowball get too expensive? When it's 10 bucks? <laughs> yeah, I think so. When does that can of beans get too expensive? When it's 350 When it should be $0.69? Cents? Probably. When does a case of Budweiser get too expensive? Well, never, but they know that, but still. Gasoline. I demand some supply. Supply, I demand. Both. But we're not going to get it. Belts, what is all that about? I'm glad you asked. Right now, there's a storm brewing. 
uh, in Texas and Oklahoma. Not quite a hurricane. It's not a category one yet. It's a tempest. A tempest brews. The tempest soon will turn into a tropical depression and then a tropical storm. And it will go right to a category five. This will be Hurricane Camille because the supply will not be able to withstand the false demand for these two teams to come to the SEC. Now stay with me here. Let's back it up. Texas in 2011, in August of 2011, came out with the Longhorn Network. I was living in Houston, and I don't think people realize the repercussions of that. It was humongous. Basically, Texas turned the Big 12 into an oligopoly for themselves. That's not what it is. It'd be a monopoly. No, it's not. It'd be an oligopoly because there was still limited competition. You could still make your own network if you wanted, but do you really want to compete with that, that juggernaut, the Longhorn Network? Somebody tried to tell me, well, there's this thing called Tiger Vision. Yeah, they used to happen when you had a satellite the size of something for NASA sit in your front yard like some white trash so you could watch... Uh, LSU play, you know, I don't know, like Marshall or something. Yeah, right. Come on, get with it. The big, the big horn net, Longhorn network, was even bigger than the Big Twelve network. It had more the the power of what this thing had drove Texas A and M to the SEC in 2012. They said we're out. We took them, and then we took Cuxory. He should not be here, but I guess there was nobody else. We should have took West Virginia. West Virginia would have been a way better candidate. Um, and and Missouri has been in, in just misery. They've been an embarrassment. Uh, they're not even academically sound. They don't even have any students at that school. We did a whole episode on that. No one wants to go there anymore. Get woke, go broke. I hope they shut down. I don't care. Shut down the whole SEC East anyway. Who cares about them? They never win. So in this, we see what's going to happen here. You're taking the most prominent team in the Big 12, Oklahoma, who lives in the playoffs, and now you're taking the team with the largest endowment nearly next to Harvard and Notre Dame, and you're bringing him to the SEC. And people think this is good. This is bad. This is an overflow of, of supply when there is no demand for this. Nobody wants this. Nobody. How does this help any of our teams? Alabama doesn't want it. LSU doesn't want it. Florida doesn't want it. Georgia doesn't want it. I guarantee you they don't. Unless you expand the college playoffs to 25 teams... Because now, if the two-loss thing is bad enough, what about three losses? And now, if Texas and Oklahoma do come, let's say Texas goes to the west, Oklahoma to the east, what incentive do you have to play any out-of-conference games now? You don't. Your out-of-conference games are Nickel State, San Jose State, and Grambling. If you can even play that many. There's no incentive. This is stupid. This round-robin, 16 teams now in a football conference... People think this is good. It's great for the SEC. Oh, Sankey has a hard on. The commissioner, who is a lawyer, who will be battling multiple, multiple lawsuits from the Big 12, in which the Big 12 will lose them all, because <laughs> they just you can't mess with Texas. If they want to come over here, Oklahoma is basically following their wake. Texas is not even like the third to best school in the state right now. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're terrible. A&M whipped Texas. They played tomorrow. A&M would beat the piss out of them. And there's a couple other schools that might give them a run too. But at the same time, this is not a good idea. You're flooding this market now with unnecessary cash. It's already the premier league. You've made a super conference. Now, before we get into that, I used to be against super teams. But then I started thinking about it. And I was like, well, you know, I would leave a job for a better one. 
right? I've done it twice. You probably have. So if you just look at it simply from that standpoint, is it really bad for Kevin Durant to do what he did? Or LeBron? I, I don't... I used to think it was more wrong, but then I was like, well, I do that all the time. So now I don't have a problem as much with the super team because I don't really care about the NBA anyway. But I don't really have a problem with it. This is America. Yeah, okay, you want to leave? You can in the NBA. they let you do it, and you cuck. Fine. But the super conference? Imagine if the Saints and the Bucks just left the NFC South and went to the, the NFC West. And now you throw a few more expansion teams in. You shuffle it around. Now you got the Rams, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Bucks. The Cardinals, pretty good conference, right? Pretty dangerous. The Niners, and it's a super conference. That does not help anyone. A super division, excuse me. It doesn't help anyone in that division. It's a, the SEC already has two super divisions. The, the entire top 10 every year consists of, I mean, look at that. I mean, the SEC West is a wrecking ball. And that's even last year it was with LSU being the worst it's been in years, which they'll probably be back this year. But just look around. It's happening in college football, and it's happening in the grocery store. Not just the gas station, not just in Walmart when you buy ammo. That's another thing that's going skyrocketing, and there's no shortage of ammo, just a shortage to you. Remember that. We're going to supply, we're going to demand all the supply we want, but we're just going to keep paying more for stuff we shouldn't be. And it's not the administration's fault. It's probably the previous administration's fault, I imagine, right? Well, keep your eye on the prize, kids, because it ain't going to stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Right, Harris English? Yeah. K-Ivy. Come on, sweetheart. You know, here you got the Bible Belt, conservative governor of Alabama, who can't plant her feet on the ground, and she has to succumb to the cucking and get up there and say, the reason there's a spike is because of all the massless and unvaccinated people. That is so interesting to me. So interesting. When people as healthy as Lamar Jackson, who have been vaccinated, super athletes like Lamar Jackson, like I said, who have been vaccinated, have gotten it again and can still spread it post-vaccination. There's a lot of other things you could look at, but if you want to pull out the CNN data, I guess you're right. But the bottom line is it's not spiking because of that. It's like anything else, like the flu every season, except this one has a better publicist. That's it. But thanks, Kay. You're not invited to the awards dinner at the end of the year. You didn't offend me too much. You just showed how stupid you were. And guess what? That ass is probably going to get out of office. Who's seen uh, Bro Exotic? The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic. Super woke. Bro Exotic, thanks for hopping on. What's going on, pal? Oh, what's going on, dude? Uh, Bro Exotic, second in command of Cal, uh, Church of Woke, uh, Woke Cardinal. What's going on, bro? Nice. Good to have you on. Uh, So I know you have, you don't have much time, but you you were talking to me yesterday about your, I won't call it an insane theory. I'm just going to say this is, this is what's happening right now in the Church of Woke regarding the Cleveland, I'm still going to call them the Cleveland Indians. You can condemn me later, but why don't you go ahead and uh, take us away? Well, I'm going to culturally cancel you there, bro. Uh, as much as I'm going to, going to, I'm going to cancel the uh, city of Cleveland here. Uh, so you want to, you want to go ahead and uh, cancel 
the Cleveland Indians, as you should, uh, because they're culturally appropriating to Native Americans who suffered uh, major genocide under white privilege uh, for hundreds of years. Uh, but you want to go ahead and change that to the Cleveland Guardians. Now I have a bigger problem, dude, because now we are culturally appropriating uh, interstellar. This is ridiculous, dude. So now you're culturally appropriating to different types of species. Uh, I mean, like, so like, like Guardians of the Galaxy. So what, like, is like Cesar Hernandez supposed to be like Groot? Is he supposed to be some tree man? Like Jose Ramirez? He's supposed to be like that green alien bitch in there. Like what, Bobby Bradley? is supposed to be that, that big man made out of a boulder. And what, Josh Naylor is supposed to be like white privileged Chris Pratt? This is ridiculous, dude. I'm, I'm not going to stand for this, man. Like, I was only, I was all on board for canceling the Cleveland Indians, dude. But now we just made this interspecies, intergalactic species. And uh, I'm just not having it, bro. So I'm going to ask you a question. Would it be more or less, would it be less appropriating to go back to the Indians than it is to be the Guardians? Did they actually make it worse? They made it way worse, dude. Wow. Wow. We we agree. I think they should go back to the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, dude. They might as well just have their concession stands like pay, being paid in wampums. This is ridiculous, dude. This is well. Uh, I mean, we don't want to appropriate other intergalactic species. I think you said Interstellar. I'm sure you love that movie. Uh, oh yeah, dude. Oh, it's totally awesome, man. I don't think anybody dude. understood. What Matthew McConaughey, as long as he's got like a a shirt half buttoned off, dude, it uh, it gets any half cisgender male really hot, dude. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm totally, uh, totally with you there. Kind of, but not really. Well, anyway, bro, uh, that is an interesting theory, as usual. Uh, keep us up to date on how this looks, especially with the four selected Indians you say. that uh, Who's playing the white privilege Chris Pratt again? Naylor? Yeah, I think Josh Naylor would be a pretty good uh, white yeah. privilege Chris Pratt. Uh, yeah. He's got to check his privilege uh, real, real quick before the next pitch, dude. Yeah, well... Well, be sure to uh, get that letter in the mail to Major League Baseball, bro, and to Cleveland's front office. Oh, I'm sure it'll make it there, too. And uh, I'm also uh, going to further cancel Major League and Major League Two and Major League Back to the Minors. Even Back to the Minors, all three movies. Wow. All three, dude. All canceled. Oh, man. I used to like watching those movies, but I guess I had to get with the times. Not oh, anymore, well. bro. Do you know they're thinking about pulling those videos off YouTube? Yeah. You know that I'm spearheading that? I bet you were. Yeah. Well, who do I think I'm talking to? You're probably the one behind the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Anything you want to close with, bro? You good? Yeah, dude. Uh, you can follow me at uh, on Instagram, bro exotic, B-R-E-A-U-X, exotic. And no joke, stay woke, bro. Stay woke, dude. <laughs> All right, bro. Cheers. <laughs> Tommy Bench hopping on the sports end once again. What's going on there, pal? Not much, Chief. How you doing? Doing good. You see, you're on a little R and R right now, right here. A little, a little vacation down in beautiful Hilton Head, South Carolina, yeah. um, where the liberals are few and the Trump voters are many. Not far from based, where I went to school. Wait, what's that? Based based on what I can tell uh, down here, the the lack of masks and the uh, preponderance of American flags that you see around, which we have been told is now a sign that you're a racist. Yes. By the New York Times. Guys that actually have a little chest on them. Imagine that. Yep. Another sign of toxic masculinity, uh, which I, unfortunately, uh, I just took a shot of that toxic masculinity. Let me tell you something. I feel like a million bucks. (laughs) Uh, This is how you do it. Uh, That's the vaccination that I got. 
Uh, so not much on the docket today. Uh, your boy just got back driving all the way from like central Arkansas. I feel like I'm going to go to sleep any minute, but, um, you should keep me awake. So let's, uh, let's start off with, uh, the good old fashioned, uh, January 6th commission. Oh, this, this should be great. I mean, this is, well, there's not a whole lot to say. Look, the, the farce known as the January 6th commission, that Nancy Pelosi put together that, you know, Republicans put forward fine. Here's five names. She said, Oh, we're not taking those people. And then she said, we'll just do it all with Democrats. And then the Republicans said, well, we won't do it. And then Liz Cheney and Adam Kitzinger, the two biggest Trump critics in the Republican caucus, said, well, we'll jump on. They, they had kind of their opening round of testimony from the Capitol police officers. And, and look, it's, it's, it was moving testimony, but it'd be a lot more credible and a lot more moving if they just stuck to the facts. No, and, and what they, do I mean? I what, what do I, a lot of crying. A lot of crying, a lot of. And I could tell that they were thinking, how can you tell that? You can't tell that unless somebody explicitly tells you what they're thinking. You, you, you can't you can't tell that um, just, you know, and, and there were some claims, you know, this was one African-American officer blatantly claimed like and this one guy said, get the N word. And I, I look, it, I, I guess I have no reason to doubt him. I will just say it seems a little suspicious from the standpoint of it seems too made for TV that that exact incident occurred. But OK, you know what? I, I'll believe him that that occurred. And, and that's 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 terrible. And it, and it really, you know, their their narrative and, and their narrative was these people were here because Trump told them to come here and, and start attacking us. Well, look, I'm sorry. That's that's such a leap. I just don't see how you get there. I don't see how you get from inflammatory language and, and yes, uh, you know, calling into question the election and some of those things where you, you could argue it was not a good look for democracy to they felt that that was explicit direction for a couple of yahoos. And again, when we're talking about a couple. We are talking about a couple. It's out of out of the tens of thousands to possibly hundred thousand that were at the rally at the White House. You're talking five to six hundred actually entered the Capitol, got violent with the Capitol Police and entered the Capitol. Um, I, I think a lot more should be investigated or, or an equal amount. I'll say an equal amount should be investigated into what caused the security failures. I mean, they knew there was going to be a rally of 100,000 people and they had what looked like a few dozen police officers on duty. No, no reinforcement forces, no additional you know, National Guard and riot gear, nothing like that. So, so it really makes you wonder what decisions were made at that point. But well, that'll never decision, be investigated. Well, what decisions weren't made? So Bongino had a lot of good points, and Bongino still has a lot of boys in the Secret Service, and he can't, he can't on a show, a pretty big show, he can't disclose what it is. A lot of these guys had to sign stuff. You know, there's right. Uh, uh, they, they they can't they can't say a word because a lot of stuff happened at night. No one talks about what happened after that was over. There was more stuff that happened at night. It wasn't with the MAGA guys. Um, it was right around the time they were trying to transport. You should have heard Bongino talk about this. I mean, he's not lying. I mean, he has his sources and he's very respected in the community of, I guess, you know, the, I, I hate to say the just with conservatives in general. But right. it was interesting. And he said that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not not non-compete when the um, when non-disclosure, when when NDA, when, non-disclosure agreement. It, it's that. And there is a um, they had statutes. Confidentiality. They can say as well. Right. So when, right. When they leave the Secret Service, then they can get in front of a microphone if they want, which would probably be a bad idea if you're right. going to say anything that doesn't fulfill 
their prophecy, I'll say. So, right. yeah, I agree with you. So, you know, it's, it's insane. You know, they're doing um, they're doing commissions in Portland, Seattle, L.A., Chicago <clears throat> um, and Cleveland as well. Did you know that? No, they're not, except they're not doing yeah, commissions in any of those not, places we're, we're to not, look into why the Black Lives Matter rioting took hold from the country and to see if there was any sort of coordinated or concerted effort among these different cells that seem to act in unison throughout the entire country. No, we'll never look into that. We'll never look into the thing that, that honestly resulted in dozens of law enforcement officers being killed over the course of a few months. Um, and, and again, at one point, they peddled the lie about two law enforcement officials were killed during the Capitol riot. That's just not true. It's nope. not true. Only one um, person died. It was that lady. We still don't know much about that. Ashley Babbitt. But you still do not know the name of the officer who killed her. And not that I think, you know, either one, there's one standard. Either you release the name of those people who kill civilians, whether a, a legal or justified shoot or not, or we don't release those names. So why is it the guy who killed, you know, Makia Bryant in, in Ohio ended up on LeBron James' Twitter account? So we, we, we've gone over that. A- anyway, let's wrap this part up. January 6th commission, it's a farce. It's preordained what is going to be determined. And what is going to be determined is they'll write some 100-page report that says Trump bad, Trump caused this. So moving on, and I don't think any serious people will take them seriously. And that's why I think it, it will not accomplish what they hope it will accomplish, which is to distract from the absolute train wreck of the Biden administration. So moving on. All right. It's a sports podcast. The Olympics are going on. Got to talk about the Olympics. Right there, Belts. Oh, yeah. All right. Simone Biles. All right. By now, everybody's heard. She she dropped out of the team competition. Then she dropped out of the individual competition. Now, interestingly, it appears she dropped out of the individual competition at an appropriate enough time that an alternate is able to take her place. Okay. Still, um, she dropped out. Now, of course, people are kind of falling into their camps and you got, you know, one side, uh, she's so brave and heroic and, uh, oh, she, she took a stand for mental health and realized she wasn't in the right headspace. And uh, okay, fine. That's one side. And then you got the other side, like, no, if Brady dropped out of the Super Bowl in the final quarter, you know, we'd have his head on a plate and yada, yada. And she described Pierce Morgan. I'll give him credit. Boy, he didn't hold back on the Daily Mail in an op-ed. He flat out said she disgraced her team and her country, which that, that, that's a bold statement. And look, like a lot of things, and I know people are tired when we often reference the Hebrew hammer, but Ben Shapiro nailed it. She, she's neither. She's not a hero nor a villain. She, she's somewhere in the middle. Now, I, I will say on you know, a check mark on the hero side, and then I'm going to get into what I think is a unique take. A check mark on the hero side is, look, if she, honest to God, if her analysis was, if I go out there, I will hurt my team in the scoring because I, for whatever reason, I'm just not executing at the level I need to be executing. And it will be better for one of my teammates to do my routines, even if they're not as practiced, because they'll do it better than me. Uh, okay. If that was part of her analysis, I kind of get that. But then at the same time, you have an entire line of gymnastics leotards that are sold for thirty three $390 a pop that you featured prominently when you were trying out to make Team USA a couple months ago. And you even had a little goat bedazzled into the leotard. <laughs> if you want to advertise goat status, then I'm sorry. You deserve a lot of the criticism you're getting. Well, she is one of the best ever, though. Ever. Best ever. No doubt. No doubt. But again, the reason we hold these people on a pedestal 
is because at the times of the most, and the reason you think about, you know, Olympians, astronauts, professional, you know, these people who are just, you hold in such high regard, it's often because they can deal with high pressure. It doesn't bother them. They're able to perform. So, okay, that, that, those are kind of the, here's the, take, the takes that are out there. Let, let, let me give you one you probably haven't heard. So this is my take. When I heard this story, and then I listened to a couple radio shows to kind of understand what was happening, apparently she, her thing is she said she wasn't right upstairs. And you said right. – that's maybe because she thought someone could do her job better. But I tell you what, man. Maybe I'm saying if that was part of her analysis, I sure I, I almost can take that better than just I wasn't feeling right in the head. Well, let's 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 think about this for one second. This is a very dangerous sport. People don't realize the injuries that come from gymnastics. Uh, you're right. flying around like a like a bird, and uh, some of those events that she does, like if you she does one of these crazy dismounts and just. Maybe she pl- plants her face in it. I don't know. Maybe she thought she could hurt herself. Because if you're not 1,000%, I feel like gymnastics, you have to be not 100% focused, but 1,000% focused. Like the stuff they're right. doing, I, it, it puts me, it's more in awe than like a crazy 80-yard touchdown run. I see that all and, the time. And, and, and it is fair, but I believe in the in the uh, media appearance she finally gave, she – she didn't really indicate that, but again, I, I'm gonna. Maybe she milked the tit a little bit. That's fine. I mean, but I'm, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer a, a different analysis or thought. How many of us have the luxury of going into our boss at prime time, when, when the job is on the line? And first of all, it's, re- it is really hard to compare in the private sector. You know, I mean, what is it? Right before you're trying to win a big deal, well, there's always going to be other big deals. It's, it, it's almost, it's very hard to equate this because it's very rare that you have something that is kind of four years in the making. Now, what people don't realize is there's world championships every year. It's just, we pay attention collectively as a society every four years. So that's what heightens the attention and, and the stress of the Olympics. So it is hard to kind of compare in the private sector, but, but imagine at, at your company's hour of need, you just called your boss and said, I don't, I, you know, I'm not really there. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Or imagine if you told your boss, look, I'm going to take the next quarter off. Cause I just don't mentally, I'm not, I'm not there now in today's day and age, maybe you'd get away with that. But I think a lot of companies would go really, well, I mean, of course you're going to hire you. Of course you kind of hired you and paid you. And, and here's the other aspect. And this also relates back to Naomi Osaka who dropped out of, I forget if it was Wimbledon or the French open, whatever the tennis tournament was. How, how fair is it to the sponsors who hand you significant sums of money predicated on the fact that you're so good at what you do that we can count on the fact you're going to win and represent our brand well. Now, how long before sponsors get to write in their contracts, look, if you drop out of competition, you're, you're getting dinged for how much money you're getting handed. I, I just, I don't know a lot of other professions where you get celebrated for walking off the job. Do you? Um, and I think it's a bit of a slap in the face to Joe Sixpack who probably often doesn't feel like going to work in the morning, but still has to go to work just to scrape by. And you've got people, and I know this sounds dangerously socialist and like something Bernie Sanders would say, but it's, it's not an, I, I don't fault people for making that kind of money, but it's just kind of the, you're on this pedestal, but you also have the luxury of just being able to step off at it at any time and, and not have to worry about your financial but, security. But is she well-being. technically in the private sectors? That's the public sector, right? I mean, the United yeah. States is. No, no, no. When I, when I talk about 
the dollars she's making endorsement deals are from private companies. She signs well, sure, endorsement that, deals with private companies. She's not employed by them, though, isn't she? Technically employed by like because I know that if you win a people people have the, this misconception. There's no money in the Olympics. That's a farce. If you win a gold medal, you win a lot of money. You can go look this you, up. Right. You, you, you but you're not. I don't. Money. I don't believe you're an employee of the U.S. Olympic Committee. I think it's taxpayer like money. I don't know where the. Money I don't think no. I don't think it is taxpayer. I think the U.S. Olympic Committee because that's one of the things that makes us very different from the Soviet Union and and the Chinese Communist Party. But either way. I can't think of an environment. I mean, that's essentially her job. Now, whether she's paid by the U.S. Olympic Committee and there's any taxpayer money or she's paid exclusively through endorsements, which I think are the overwhelming majority of how she makes a living or book deal. And that's the other thing. She's going to she's now going to write a book and get an advance for a million dollars. You know, does, does you know. I was going to say Joe the plumber, but I don't specifically mean the guy, Joe the plumber. But does you know, the plumber that came by our vacation rental who had to unclog a toilet two days ago here in Hilton Head, does, does he get to tell his boss he's not coming in the next day? Because, you know, I, I think that's a very weird. I gotta be honest. I don't it know is. It is. It's a weird comparison, but it's, it's just this idea of we're going to celebrate somebody. Well, I, I just, again, I can't close. celebrate it they're and I can't be They're probably, she's playing to a certain part. They're probably more happy that she did this than didn't compete because it's the woke thing to do. And and let's say that she's full of it. And let, okay, two scenarios. One, she did lose it upstairs and she knows it. I'd probably do the same thing. I don't know. I mean, it, it, if it, I think it'd be different if she was extremely hyped up before the Olympics, but she, she was getting all these endorsements. She had never proved herself or provided or she had never done this before, but she's already like the greatest i mean she's been there before and i just think maybe it's time i don't know i could go either way on this i could go either way i really i, I, I think she's I, a hero i don't think she's a hero i think she's an amazing gymnast that may or may not have made the right choice but she inevitably knows her body better than us maybe the I, I agree i agree but i just think it's a shame because somebody somewhere there's somebody who could have had her spot who would have performed maybe i will say they said that about tim tebow but well time will tell uh, anyway, so, it was an interesting, interesting subject matter. Before we go on, I do, I, I listened to a long drive today, and this was it was all this and Aaron Rodgers just I, for nine hours. But I'll tell you, um, I have some interesting takes from people you wouldn't expect from the media, the super sports woke media, CBS, Doug Gottlieb. He was kind of trashing her, not trashing her, but he was kind of getting on her a little bit. And I was like, whoa, are you kidding? Uh, there was a few others too. A cow herd. He had some interesting stuff to say. Um, these guys typically are all about that stuff, but you know, whatever. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to segue you up here. Are you done here? You want to go to this next one? Final thing. Final thing. We'll try to make this quick. So uh, our faithful and addition listeners have heard Belts and I reference the uh, boarding school that the two of us went to. You were a boarding student. I was a day student, which means I went home every night because my parents love me enough. Uh, like <laughs> your parents, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, look, like any school, there are its uh, black spots in, in history or dark spots in history. I don't know, whatever the appropriate term I'm allowed to use, you know. Um, so it recently hit the papers that a, that a teacher who was there at the time you and I were there had is recently been arrested and has been charged with sexual assault, aggravated sexual assault, et cetera, of a minor, all, all, all manner of crimes. Uh, apparent in the indictment it specified over 300 assaults or liaisons whatever the term they're using of of a minor so look that's terrible i hope the guy goes to prison and, and 
I mean, if, 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 it, if that's true, first off, you almost know that that kid probably wasn't the only one. I'm sure it'll come out. There were others. I think it's very rare guys operate in this kind of environment and, and only do that thing with one particular student or kid. And so this, if this turns out to be true uh, and, and there are others, then you can give them the, the all-time cure for pedophilia, which is a 45 slug heading about 800 feet per second right through the head. Um, yeah, it's it's permanent. It's 100 percent effective. It's more effective than the covid vaccines um, yeah. by orders of magnitude. It ensures that somebody never commits the act of pedophilia ever again. So, of course, this breaks out in the social media. There's, you know, an alumni group for our school and somebody posts the story and you get a lot of comments and all kinds of things like, oh, I always knew something was off about that dude. And, and really, I think all of us did. All yeah, of us we felt did. like oh, he yeah. was a little too comfortable with certain students. But it but again. I can't say that I ever personally witnessed something, nor did anybody ever confide in me and say he touched me and did something inappropriate. How about you? No. And uh, my first year there, you said teacher. Let's clarify. He wasn't a teacher. Dorm faculty. But that's even worse because he was a coach and a dorm faculty. And he was in my dorm my first year. And my mom even asked me, like, I was like, first off, I would have told somebody. But secondly, No, we heard stupid stuff, but we never saw anything. Right. I never, but you never saw because looking back, he's a sexual predator. And what do predators do? They isolate. So you don't see that in the group. So, yeah, they isolate. And and you and I never would have been a target. One, I was too tall. Although you were in the profile with your slight frame. Um, I'm kidding. But these are all like he was coaching the seventh and eighth graders. I know, and that's seven, probably where a lot of that was. Hey, right. let me give you a nice rub down or something. Right. God knows. So, sick, so you're right. And, and, and the, frankly, the fact that you and I both came from two parent homes, I think put us out of the running, it, you know, all the, the couple of kids that I suspected he was maybe inappropriate with were all kids who, you know, single mom situation. Anyway, anyway, all that. Oh, just, just to clarify, so, that, that does not mean for those listening, we are saying, the black no there was white kids we know that word you i know you talk about them as well because he was yeah oh yeah yeah. he's creepy with them too right (laughs) we just can't prove anything but right exactly all right so so anyway this breaks out on the social media and of course you know the post it's got i don't know 75 comments or something and most of them are like oh this is off it's terrible you know we always thought something was off with this guy and this one kid who was actually in our class who's the valedictorian of our class uh who is now just a professional academician (laughs) <laughs> uh, which I'm not sure is a real term, but he's, he's a professional academic. He's just, you know, got more degrees than a thermometer, knows yeah. so much more about how the world works, but oh, has yeah. never actually had, done anything in the real world. I had to live right next to this guy in said dorm, right down the hall. And this dude preached more than Moses. It was unbelievable, dude. He's well, a- interestingly, he went to an Ivy League school and he oh, was a conservative course. when he went there. But then he came out the other side, a raging liberal. I mean, he's just palestine you look at his social media whether it's linkedin or face it, it's intolerable so let me so of course like i said the stage is everybody's making posts like this is so terrible this is awful i hope the guy spent life in prison you know of course people make some jokes about you know gay and yeah and all this so so here's I, i'm going to read this it's a couple of sentences so bear with me this is this guy's post not to distract from condemning and he lists off the two faculty members one who was arrested and sentenced about six months ago and the other who just recently was arrested not not to distract from condemning the two faculty members i just wanted to make sure we were getting our descriptive language correct it's not accurate to describe their actions as gay or pedophilia since 
at least in the one faculty member's case, the predatory instinct was aimed at adolescent boys rather than adult men, which would be gay attraction, or prepubescent children, which is technically pedophilia. The correct terms are hebophilia, ages 11 to 14, and ephebophilia, ages 15 to 19. And then he goes on with some, you know, it's a, it's important that we not, I might report this comment as offensive. I anyway. Was, you should report it. Before you say anything, I just think, I just want to, as you were reading that, I, I can see him saying this as I had to sit and I didn't have many classes with him because I was in the idiot classes, but uh, that is the most ridiculous thing. And you know, he probably thought of how he could insert something slightly intelligent and that's just so scripted and so right. stupid. Now, look, those two terms, hebophilia, ephebophilia, I thought, like, this is some made-up new woke nonsense. No, those terms have been around, apparently. They've been around, and, and, and it is technically correct. Pedophilia is prepubescent children, and those two other terms, hebophilia and ephebophilia, do describe, you know, those different age ranges. So 11 to 14, if you think. 11 to 14, it's like, uh, you're kind of on the bubble. You're not quite exhibiting full male or female characteristics. You're kind of in that middle of puberty Look, by the time you're 15, you're mostly physically mature, right? Okay, 15 to 19 is kind of that. You're mostly physically mature, but you're not like a full-blown adult. Okay, whatever. What I feel like saying to people like this is, you go be the language police. I'm on the side of people who thinks pedophiles should be shot in the head. Like, (laughs) we should have a trial, and then we should bring back firing squads. And they shouldn't even get a cigarette or a blindfold. And, And let's see who lines up with who. Let's see how many people line up and say, oh, yeah, language is so important. Language. And by the way, by the way, this feeds directly into my prediction that in our lifetime belts, we will see the modern day left defend hebophilia and ephebophilia. Oh, Maybe not pedophilia. Defend, they already defend Nambla. Of course. So it's because the first thing you do is control the language. If you can control the language and get and start separating off instead of people generically thinking, look, pedophilia is, you know, anybody's a kid, kitty diddler. Right. Or Kitty Tickler, as somebody responded in the comments just below this, somebody somebody said, I'm going to use the wrong language. Those two are Kitty Ticklers. They knew what they were doing was wrong. Um, And and look, they did. They were what they did was wrong. They should go to prison for a long time. If if not, you know, I wish we lived in a society where we did execute pedophiles Um, and especially 300 times. This, This wasn't like a one-time, you know, inappropriate touching. I mean, this was a long-term predatory relationship. This guy, this guy should never see the light of day ever again. And, and ideally it should end with being six feet underground yeah, sooner rather than later. Segment, though, so long segment on anyway, <laughs> that's all. Some people want to obsess about language. I'd rather talk about results and getting things done and there yeah, well, end it the lesson. I agree. Uh, I agree completely, especially, uh, yeah, the language. You're right. We're just going to create language for everything and then we can get out of anything or categorize something incorrectly. But yet it's correct. Well, anyway, thanks for jumping on the pod, dude. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your vacation and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Out here. Later. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 59. Remember, I'm your host, Danny Belts. Thanks to Tommy Bench and Bro Exotic and Coach O for jumping on the show. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote. Why not? It's the worst thing that could happen. College football and pro. We're getting in some betting soon. In the meantime, though, I'll keep my jargon at a minimum. Psych.
keep it real and it oceans. Yeah.